Jiro. The static on the bracelet silences and the little red light goes out and behind Aaron he hears a noise. He spins around to look, but before he can get his headlamp steady, the light flickers and then goes out. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Stroke of Luck, where I, Sketchy, your game master and player, play Ironsworn Starforge by Sean Tompkin. Thank you for making it for another episode. Buckle up, and I hope you have fun. Before you jump ship, check out the description below for timestamps so you can get straight into the game. For those who stuck around, yes, very much, this is super late. There was an unfortunate tragedy in the family that I attended to. I'm okay emotionally and I'm back to playing solo RPGs in a therapeutic fashion which it always has been for me. I'm still kind of in the midst of it while I'm recording this but this is the hold the breath part of the whole process so I thank you very much for your well wishes and your concern, love and support. Meanwhile, I really hope to get to a more consistent schedule with this as this is something I hope to one day make into something bigger. On that very note, I am looking for suggestions for other games to showcase. I absolutely will continue to play Starforge. It's going to take a lot to get me away from this game. But for the many causes that have been supported in the Years that have passed, especially since the pandemic took over our lives in a way, uh, I supported those. And of course, I have a robust library of tabletop RPGs that I have just been sitting on. So if you supported any of these bundles and you know what games were in them and you have some suggestions, shoot them my way. If you have some other games that aren't in those bundles that you want to see, if I can afford it. I'll get it and I'll try it out. But I would love to play a whole lot more games to see how they can mingle with Starforge or just independently. Viewer discretion is advised. This episode contains horror-related content and mild jump scares. This includes descriptions of violence, death, and decay. Please be mindful of yourself and your surroundings before proceeding. In the meantime, we can kind of jump forward to our recap sort of kind of. When I say recap, I mean more like the cleanup from the previous episode. First, I'm going to clarify where the stats are now for Aaron. His momentum is 7, health is 5, spirit is 2, and supply track is at 3. Focusing more on the tempo and the energy of that last episode, I wasn't going a lot into how the stats were adjusting. I was more like just using the visual cues that I have but I do understand that not everyone actually watches the video. They listen more so. So now you have an update if you've been trying to keep track of that at all. Also, the Investigate the Dawn's Herald track, um, the Expedition track, that is now abandoned. There are two options. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. When I did it, it felt obvious. He's no longer investigating the Herald. He is now focusing on a new quest, which I'm going to get to in just a second. Also, I'm going to mark a progress on our formidable vow of 
retrieve the AI core from the infested ship and finish Destiny. In fact, I changed the name to retrieve the AI core from the Dawn's Herald and finish the mission because obviously we know what the infested ship is now. While there were tons of misses, one of my favorite things about Starforge is that you're always moving forward. So you might be learning things in a horrendous way, but you're learning things. Your character is always moving forward. So in a sense, we're still making progress in our quest, just miserably slow and in a painful way. So with the cleanup done, now we can move on to the actual recap. Aaron Slater traveled to Reprise an independent mining company to find Juro Kwan, an expert in precursor technology and all of its effects. After being cursed by exposure to a precursor vault he didn't belong in. After a series of rather shady events, mostly headed by Aaron Slater himself, he ends up meeting Brennan Carr, a senior medic in the excavation area where he's handling a disgruntled client. When an emergency occurs, Brennan Carr turns to Aaron Slater for his help to resolve the situation. Aaron does by a landslide, but the help doesn't end there. Brennan Carr offers information about Gerald Kwan, but in exchange, Aaron must complete a quest for him. He must make a vow to him. Aaron accepts the quest with very little thought and meets with Gerald Kwan, and the pair travel through the mushroom jungles of Scourge, making it past corrupted creatures, difficult terrain, and malignant spore fields. They make it to the Dawn's Herald to find a grisly scene of death and decay. The pair split up looking for a means to restore the power to the ship so they can assume a night of good rest in clean air. But Aaron instead finds a very unhappy resident lurking in the overhanging darkness of the derelict ship. The comms are dead. His headlamp light is out. He is in darkness and he is disconnected from the only other person that knows that he is alive right now on this ship. There's a certain formula when it comes to horror in itself, and it's usually the most interesting option instead of the smartest option. But right now, I'm just going to think of Aaron's options and figure out what he would do. I'm going to take a little bit of inspiration from his stats, which is suggested that these are his normal approaches to things. Of course, this is outside of the normal things he would deal with, but he's going to fall back on what comes natural so looking at his stats his highest stat is a four in shadow followed by a three in wits and iron so that means usually his first take on things is to kind of sneak around it now he's in complete darkness he can't see for a lick of nothing so he would either think his way through it or swing really hard now he thinks he's in danger so he would swing, but he can't see what he's swinging at if he wants to swing at it. So he's going to use a little thought here. Now, regardless of which stat we're using, the question is, are we going to be facing danger or entering the fray? Entering the fray means we know that there's an enemy present. He heard something, but it could have just been his paranoia. Face danger is a catch-all sort of move for doing something risky or facing off against imminent danger. 
This could be you trying to sneak past a group of guards without being noticed. This could be you trying to balance over something precarious. And it's just as often used while in the fray alongside gain ground and strike, but we'll get to that later. In either situation, I need to assess the threats that are present and if there's an actual enemy that we're combating. So I'm going to actually ask the Oracle on a likely role on if we actually have an enemy present. When you roll likely, you have to roll 75 or less for a yes. And I have a 22, which is fun to say because it says right below it, on a match, envision a extreme result or a twist. So we are definitely in danger. There is an enemy present and there's something special about it. And I cannot immediately think of what makes it twisty. So what I'm going to do first is I'm just gonna enter the fray and we're gonna come back to that twist. And that is a strong hit with a four versus a one and a three. That gives Aaron a plus two to momentum, bringing him up to nine momentum, and he is in control of the situation. That's awesome. Now, what was it trying to do when he responded? Rolling combat action, I have leveraged the advantage of a weapon or an ability, which gives me perfect vibes on exactly where to go for it with this one. So the ability we're looking at is alternate senses rolling on the creature revealed aspect table and automatically i just want to go with the senses of those aliens in pitch black a 2000 movie with vin diesel as the lead i keep showing my age with these movie references where things like bats are able to see things from the screeches they make and it bounces off of it also like sonar, same concept, I believe. So let's envision this. In complete darkness, the only thing Aaron has to rely on is his hearing. And there's distant dripping of condensation, the creaking as the ship settles, and then behind him, a screech. Aaron spins around again to face the noise, but stumbles backwards just enough to feel the sharp wind of something swiping just past his face. Realizing his lucky mistake, he backs up further and pulls out the iron ball from his pocket and extends it into a pole form. Striking out with a strong hit, the end of his pole smacks against something fleshy and he's able to keep a safe distance as he feels something swipe across the air, leaving a small gust of wind. He can take solace in the fact that it can't reach him, but it also says something about its strength that he even heard it try to swipe. As it screeches in pain, he gets a flash before his eyes that illuminates the room in a sort of bright grayish color. And he can almost swear he can make out the outline of the desk where the data shard had once set and almost this humanoid form before it all goes black before his eyes again. As refreshing as the sound is, he knows that he's still in a terrible position. He can't see except for these weird flashes that keep giving him outlines of the room. His next move is to gain ground and make his way back up the steps that he came down originally. With a strong hit with a match, he twirls it around in a blinding display and his headlamp flickers back on, falling on the mimic, letting him see its ghastly pale form 
as it bumps into the desk behind it. It's just enough time and distraction for Aaron to start to make his way up the steps. He continues to gain ground, but it's a miss with a match. Aaron is reminded of the open panels that left holes in the walls when he first descended, and now they're being used as ambush holes. It leaps through one, missing him, but leaving him completely off kilter, he's about to stumble backwards. He catches himself using the pole, jamming it into one of the openings, but it makes another pass by, and this time it slaps the mask off of his face, and it clatters downward. Aaron knows that it could have been much worse, but he'll take this. Reacting under the fire of this mimic, he notices that it didn't clatter that far down, and he's just as easily able to step back and hide behind the wall, pick up the fallen mask, but this time he tucks it away instead of putting it back on. He's now able to have a strong whiff of what this ship actually smells like, humid, dank, and musky. But his reaction under fire was a strong hit, and now it has to expose itself to danger just to reach him from where he's hiding now. And the brief seconds that have passed with this standoff, Aaron has learned a lot. But he still doesn't understand his enemy, and he takes a moment while they both regroup to get an idea. He gets a strong hit on gain ground plus wits as he sizes up his enemy learning that with high-pitched noises, it growls suddenly in the direction of the noise. It's seeing via sound, but there was also a flash of his own eyes when the high-pitched ring echoed in the hall. He had absolutely no idea why he could see this way, but he wasn't going to ask any questions right now. What worked, worked. So he decides to gain ground plus shadow and misdirect the creature. And in doing so, it's a miss. Thinking he has the upper hand with a diversion, he starts to move out, but he moves right into an opening and ends up slammed against an adjacent wall. He feels something in his back pocket crunch. He files away a curse in the back of his head, but right now, there's a mimic, and the only thing between him and it is this rather thin pole. He clashes, using iron and kinetics to a strong hit. Envisioning this, the mimic pressed against the pole driving his back into the wall. Focusing on sending this thing backwards into the wall behind the mimic. He digs deep and with a loud yell, he sends it sailing. It punches a fresh hole in the wall and hits a metal pipe behind it. The loud ring echoes out and he can see the outline of the stairwell. He can also see it gathering itself. Labored breathing and all, Aaron doesn't think it's gonna let him leave so easily. If he runs, it gives chase. He has to finish this here. Before his vision returns to complete darkness, he rushes forward again. Using the staff to keep distance between him and the mimic, he empowers his strikes with kinetics. But his strike is a weak hit. He's notably stronger, but it's definitely faster, and it has the advantage of seeing in this darkness. It evades his empowered strikes and gets behind him into a bear hug. He can hear it behind him, transforming the canvas smooth texture of his face into a gruesome maw to tear at his shoulder. Aaron quickly reacts under fire plus iron for a strong hit. He pushes off with his heels, forcing the two of them to slam backwards into an adjacent wall. He does it several times until it finally lets go. With the wind knocked out of it, Aaron is able to get away and prepare for another strike. 
to take the decisive action. With the upper hand, Aaron is able to look at it while it still tries to gather itself, insisting on attacking. He thinks to himself, if it would just run, I wouldn't have to do this. He doesn't even know why he has these merciful thoughts. This thing has tried multiple times to kill him, but it doesn't matter. He uses his kinetics to constrict the end of the staff into a point. And with one last frustrated yell, he rushes forward and takes decisive action. But it's a weak hit. And the situation ends worse than he thought. The mimic waited for the last possible second when Aaron can move for a faint no longer. And then evades the last strike. But not quickly enough. As Aaron feels resistance at the end of the staff and then tearing away at something. And then a scream like something he has never heard fills his head. By activating earlier's missed match, we're going to take negative two spirit, which is the last two spirit he had. Like a million jolts sent directly to his brain, he drops the staff and drops to his knees, clutching his skull. Confusion, fear, dread. Every horrible nightmare he's ever had comes to the surface as if it's a reality in this very moment. But it doesn't have to end here. We still have a prophecy that we can fulfill. By finding clarity in this moment, we clear our vision and we find the answer to enemy power. He regains a single spirit, but let's envision how. The words enemy power fill his thoughts once again. But this time, it's like a beacon at the end of a terribly dark tunnel that he was falling down sideways. He reaches out to touch this comforting, warm glow of light, and suddenly something so distant is just in the palm of his hand, and he can see it. The mimicry, the sonar, the scream, enemy, power. It's flooding his thoughts to the surface. It's learning about him. It's trying to become him. And if he lets it, that's it. He will fall into a madness and never have the chance to correct this curse. So as simple as that, he doesn't let it. He doesn't fall into the despair. He doesn't let it skim his thoughts. He pushes back. He fights back. And he can hear on the outside of his own mind a curious noise, a frustrated one. And the pushing and pulling relents for only a moment until all of a sudden it becomes even harder grasping his physical head and pushing itself into his thoughts Aaron drowns beneath the sea of psionics and he rests his head on the cold metallic ground beneath him and allows blissful unconsciousness to sweep over now this looks really bleak this is like a double ten miss with a match sort of situation And the match was actually just double fives. Granted, when he first got the vision, I always presumed it had something to do with the mimic that he was going to go up against eventually. And there were multiple times throughout this fight that it made plenty more sense to just clear the prophecy then. In fact, I could have just done that for take a decisive action, but I was actually genuinely hoping that with eight progress, I could get a strong hit. And then I remembered that I had a entire match that I would rather resolve before I got to the end of all this because I think that we've got opportunity for more crazy. In fact, we still haven't seen Gerald jump into this situation. 
And I think that's exactly how he gets out of this with just a slither bit of hope. So let's envision Juro Kwan. Ghost, do you copy me? Ghost. Juro could hear a conflict on the other side, with an inhuman scream piercing through the speakers. Juro readies his weapon and heads back to the mat room. There he realizes that Ghost's constant reporting in was actually very beneficial, although he didn't expect him to actually follow through with communication it made it easy to find out exactly which path he took and where he probably is, if he still is. He makes his way through the overgrown gym and down the one corridor. There's no steam right now because he had caused that earlier and doesn't even know. But he does end up in the lab where the scientist is leaned over this microscope and there are all sorts of tendrils coming out of it and reaching around. He doesn't even want to consider, did he actually see something move as he shimmies past it? For a moment, he thinks that maybe Ghost wasn't over-exaggerating his panic after all. Although the hunter isn't necessarily unnerved by the scenes, he does see where someone less seasoned could have been jolted by what he saw. Still, He continues down the second corridor that takes him to the staircase and he can still hear some activity on the stairwell. He checks to make sure he has one in the chamber and then he descends. The two of them aren't where he expected them. They're actually off to the side in the wall itself. And what he sees confuses him. He actually has to take a moment costing Ghost precious moments just to understand what he's looking at. There are two of these ghost characters on the ground, one kneeling over one that's laid out. But the one hovering over has their hand pressed on the one laying down, squeezing their head. Their head is tilting side to side curiously, like an animal inspecting a new toy. But that's not it of it. The lower half of it isn't even clothed. Instead, it's this ghastly white, thin, gaunt form, but color and shape is slowly transforming downward to the lower half. Jiro drops his light on the creature and then discharges his gun off to the side. It turns around, growling, snarling, and then he aims the barrel down at it. There's no words exchange. They maintain eye contact for all of five seconds, and then it speeds off at an incredible pace. And he's just left there, Ghost laying completely helpless on the ground, unmoving. He moves to inspect him. He's still breathing. In fact, he's barely scathed, but his eyes are moving frantically behind the lids. So here we are. It's not all lost. Gerald got to him and got the thing away from him, but not before it started to take his form, also scavenging his memories. But regardless of how crappy it ended for Aaron, I'm still going to take progress on this cruddy vow that I decided to take because at least it was driven off. For now, I'm going to use this awesome opportunity of him being unconscious to speed forward just a little bit because I don't know if you noticed, we've been in the same exact day for the last six episodes. I have a bad habit of inching along because I want to explore every little detail of what's going on 
but ladies, gents, non-binaries, that can be problematic. So what I'm going to do now is actually do some recovery moves and explain how he's recovering. The main thing I'm going to try to recover is his spirit. It's down to one right now and amazingly I've kept his body safe. I'm going to take a crack at Sojourn because I would love to find an excuse to resupply as well. So I don't actually know how this is going to end, but I'm going to roll to Sojourn. Now, so far I have proven that when I use plus heart, it comes out pretty ugly, but fingers crossed. Holy cheese muffins, Batman, that is a strong hit. That means that I can pick two recover moves to take an automatic strong hit. What? All right. So if I take Harton as an automatic strong hit with Sojourn, I can take an extra one spirit on top of the two that I get. So he is back up to four spirit. Good dreams. That means I'm just going to yank and take my resupply on that one for a plus two on supply bringing us back up to five i'm reading resupply for the first time so sue me and it says that if you are in need of a specific item or resource that can reasonably be obtained you acquire it take plus one momentum i don't need a specific item right now i don't think but it doesn't change the fact that i think that's cool to be in there for those moments that maybe you need the discombobulator thingy for your ship yes i just did that and you don't have it. You decide narratively you don't have it. Well, now you do. And I think this is just an easy cut and dry way to do it without always having to go on a huge expedition or quest. Like, I'm just in this town and they have the discombobulator. I know I'm going to hate myself when I listen to this later. Now, Sojourn does say that you're kind of taking a break within a community and it suggests that it's going to take hours if not days for you to actually get all of this recovery. Because think of this, you're getting a lot of your health, your mental health, and your items back. And it's going to, narratively, it takes some time to do all of this. So, oh, and by the way, I'm going to mark progress on my connection with Juro. So I'm going to develop the relationship because here he was in a serious time of need. Okay, so on the sojourn. I feel like the large majority of his recovery happened while he was unconscious. Left undisturbed, his mind was able to settle and all of those thoughts that were being yanked out of his subconscious, his deep subconscious, those memories were able to finally go back into the recesses of his mind and he was able to sort through all of that psychic attack that had just happened and really nestle into thinking of more pleasant things maybe because his body wasn't being disturbed so much and he got to some clean air he doesn't realize it but his body is aware of it in fact for a little bit of inspiration i just wrote descriptor and focus to just imagine some of the happier dreams or thoughts he had and i got forgotten message and it makes me think about him dreaming of his mentor and some of the things she told him some of the advice that she gave him or just her presence in his dreams brings some peace of mind 
like he's with someone that knows what they're doing they know what they're talking about and they only mean him well when they see him or at least they once did but whatever bad blood was left behind is history it's not in this dream and he's able to float off and get lost in this so much so that he almost adapts it as his new reality until he's awakened and we're just gonna ask is he still on the ship actually did Jiro keep them on the ship? I'm gonna leave this with a basic 50-50 because brain cells cost a lot. And I have a no, I wrote a 67. So that means that by the time Aaron wakes up, he's not on the Dawn's Herald. Now I'm thinking two different places that he can be and there's a way to answer this question. He's either back onto his own ship or he's actually in the medical facility on reprise. When you use Ask the Oracle and you're deciding between two different things, you rate one as likely and roll. I'm going to roll that it is likely that he is on reprise because it makes a lot more sense for Jiro to get him there instead of just setting him in his ship. He's going to probably need medical attention. So with a 53, yes, he is in the recovery area of reprise. Now, medicine is not cheap in the Forge, but with Brennan Carr being here, there is an entire department that's dedicated to the health of people here on Reprise. So it doesn't mean he's going without any particular care. Thankfully, they don't have to worry about his physical health right now. It just seemed like he had some rapid brain activity. And my gods, this guy needed to take a nap. He was refusing to go to sleep at any opportunity that he had because he thought that would trigger visions. Well, it wasn't that. So we're gonna give this man a solid day, his past, and he wakes up not in his normal clothes. He's been changed into tan plain linens and he's alone and there's beeping around. And it feels like the start of absolutely every horror video that he's ever seen. It's not pristine or state of the art, but it's sterile where it counts and not the Don's Herald. Aaron is ready to get up when Brennan Carr walks through the medic room door. Aaron phases through surprise, confusion, and then concern. The last time there was a survivor from that ship, Brennan claims that he treated him. Brennan starts off with a careful greeting. Hey, nice to see you're up. How are we feeling? Aaron actually stops and takes an account of his thoughts and how clear they are or are not. Then he shakes his head and says, I'm fine, but how did I get here? And don't you work down below? Brennan laughs lightly and then sits down backwards in a chair. I have to come up for air at some point, he says. And your hunter friend, Jiroquan, he brought you back. And before you ask, he didn't seek any medical attention but he did go back onto his ship. As far as I know, he's still on the station. You had some superficial wounds, but your rim activity, it was insane. It was at that moment that Aaron's practical side woke up and he realized that medical attention is not cheap on any station in any settlement because doctors are fairly rare or at least uncommon. He mumbled something about not paying because he didn't consent and for old time's sake, let's roll Shadow plus Scoundrel, which gives us a total of a plus six to our action die on getting out of this bill. Oh looky, a weak hit with a 10 versus a four and a 10. 
doesn't matter what my momentum is in that situation. A 10 just sucks, guys. Nonetheless, Aaron takes a plus one to momentum and Brennan agrees. But what is starting to become his character norm is he adds in a little bit of a twist on his agreement. Brennan shrugs. He's clearly unconcerned with the logistics. He says, that's fine. In fact, I'll make you a deal. You tell me everything that happened on the ship, including how you got this way, and I don't charge you. Aaron doesn't care about the AI or the ship, but he does remember the tape, the mimic, and those moments before he fell unconscious and it was stealing his face. Brennan's interest is unnerving, to say the least. And suddenly that bill seems the least of his concerns. So now he doesn't really want to speak on it at all. He's going to try to get out of this. So I'm going to roll another compel plus shadow plus scoundrel because he's going to try to bluff his way out of this situation. Well, ladies, gents, and non-binary alike, I take back what I said about tens. I have a 10 versus a 2 and a 2. That means I have a strong hit with a match while using Scoundrel. So a couple of things happen here. Aaron gets plus his amount in Shadow with Momentum. That's already at max now with just like two left over. I can't do anything with, but that's fine. And he gets an unexpected opportunity. And that's kind of how a lot of this stuff happened to begin with. So how does this turn out? Aaron doesn't want to talk about what happened, not because it's traumatized him, but he doesn't trust Brennan right now. His eagerness is unnerving, so he's going to bluff his way out of the situation. He tells Brennan, yeah, that's a bit of a tale just getting up. How about I get some food in me and my clothes on, maybe? He climbs out of the hospital bed slowly and makes his way over to his neatly folded pile of clothes sitting on top of his boots. He starts the process of undressing and hopes that Brennan has a modicum of modesty in him, that he doesn't have to commit to completely undressing in front of this guy. Luck has it that yes, he does have some modesty and he just seems excited that Aaron is ready to get up and start talking. So he jumps up and says, you're right. In fact, I'll take my lunch. And he prefaces for Aaron shrugs and waves him off dismissively. Just whatever right now. I haven't eaten in a day, right, buddy? Brennan nods and heads his way to the door. You're right. Hold tight. As Brennan steps out the room, Aaron hears a clatter on the ground and sees a key card just sitting there. Just in case anyone walks through, he holds his hand out towards it and allows his kinetics to pull the key card just underneath his boot as he's tying it up. He pulls it up and slips it into his pocket. No stranger to getting dressed quickly in uncomfortable situations, Aaron is ready and peeking his head out the door long before Brendan is coming back. We're going to face danger plus shadow as he's heading his way out of this place. And that's a strong hit, folks. He's on his way out the door. We get a plus one momentum, but we're already at max. So, after being certain there's no one around that would stop him, he grabs a hanging lab coat that's inside of the room and steps out, heading straight for a door where people are heading in and out with this familiar beep of a key card read. 
he holds up the fallen one from his pocket and the little light turns green. On the other side, Aaron tucks away the key card, takes off the lab coat and sets it on a chair nearby. As he walks through the station, he realizes he trusts none of these faces. Any one of them can be the mimic. The nods, the smiles, the howdy-do's, the eye contact. He trusts none of it. He second-guessed heading to the poltergeist and then thinks if there's anywhere on this station that no one else should be, it's on his ship. Back on the dock, in front of his ship, there's the attendee that he first met when he arrived. Remembering the awkward exchange that they started with, he decides to actually use that to his advantage. He asks him, what's the deal with that tag again? We're going to gather information here because Aaron's going to try to pull a bit of what's going on out of this guy, especially if anyone has approached his ship since he's been gone. And that is a weak hit. I have momentum to spare, but I really don't like using it for something that I feel like won't be that consequential, so we'll just stick with the weak hit. Now, we get some new insight, but there's going to be a complication with the information that he gives. So... The dock worker turns around and quirks their eyebrow at Aaron and says, You already forgot? It'd be in your best interest if you didn't. Just had a hunter over here not that long ago asking about it, asking who owned the ship. Now, I won't say that I just gave you up, but when he started to throw the book at me, I might have mentioned a hair color. Which sucks for Aaron because he has a distinctly silvery white curly fro. The worker continues... But I did throw in there that I don't think you know what this really is. And honestly, if you're asking again, I was probably right. Aaron takes the backhanded assistance for what it is and shrugs. Aaron asks, did he get inside? The dock worker shakes his head, not during my shift. I can't say what happened when I was off the dock. Aaron pursed his lips and starts to head his way in when the worker stops him one more time. He says, hey... If you're looking for someone to paint your ship, I know someone. Aaron gives the deepest eye roll, but says, maybe later. Inside, he heads straight towards the eatery, which is no more than a single square table with one chair. He sets his box of cards on top of the table. Aaron knows what he needs to do, and he's entirely reluctant to do it. But if he's to figure out the next steps, he has to force a vision. And these cards that showed up right after the incident. Always make it happen. Thank you so much for making it all the way through this episode. I had so much fun doing it, and I feel like I moved a lot further forward. In a sense, a day forward. We needed to do a bit of a time skip because staying in that one day was even feeling stagnant for me. So I really thank you so much. You can follow me on Twitter. Of course, subscribe, hit that bell, comment you know just hit all the dopamine buttons that you think you can find i will still make these videos regardless but i might be a little bit more giddy if you do it like that i look forward to you joining me for the next episode and as always stay in trouble